Hi, it doesn't matter. Eric, what are you doing? What's happening here? <laughs> Two and a half years of work. Tell us. All culminating. Tell us. Open the mind. Open the DMs. Take down the screen, baby. What do you want to know? Oh, no, you're not wearing clothes. <laughs> Put the, the screen back up. <laughs> what emotions are you feeling? I cannot believe that I just did the... Like, this is the end point of what I've planned, you know? We talk about how I've I plan in arcs. And I knew what each point was going to be along the way. And the stars have been set up since episode one. And this is what I knew would happen next. Wow. Like I knew the ca- someone would come down. There was something behind there. And then slowly we figured out it was the Council of Bright. And then slowly we figured out that it was a Warforged army. Yeah. I, I it's, it's pretty wild. I cannot believe that this just happened. And I'm happy in the way that it shook out. There were a lot of different, I mean, honestly, there are a ton of different variables that could have pulled this in different directions the last three episodes. What are some of those variables? I think that what we said about whether or not you were going to lose to the Council of Bright right. in the energy fight or not, mm-hmm. if you had lost, that would have happened in the stadium, mm-hmm. 100%. Wow. I don't know necessarily if you could have stopped the inevitability of the Council of Bright pulling that last star down. I think you guys kicked it down the road, and I think there could have been any number of people who could have incited this element, but I think that the way everyone's in action on this part really couldn't have stopped him from coming back. But it was just like the way in which it happened, who it happened to, where it happened, and like I think how prepared everyone is. This is the most prepared version of the recoming of the Council of Bright that is possible. You right. guys could have been totally surprised. People couldn't have been on your side. You couldn't have talked to the representatives. You could have just like pulled this all together. Like this was decently responsible up <laughs> until the last five seconds before your plan popped off. Yeah, I mean, it, when we were in the elevator coming back up to the boardroom, Eric asked us like, "Okay, well, do you want to like do it here? Like, where do you want to pop the bubble?" And we were like, "No, we want to go and talk to the representatives. We want as much buy-in as possible. You know, regardless of what plan we ended up choosing or how it ended up going." Um, I think it was important to to me and, and I think to Brandon too, mm-hmm. or you know, and R and to Tracy to uh, either have them agree with the right course of action or to have the representatives like bury themselves if they chose to keep the bubble in storage. <laughs> you know, I do think there was actually one action that you could have taken that might have stopped this all from happening, which was getting Harriet to immediately petrify Alonzo. And yeah. sacrifice Alonzo as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that that crossed my mind at least. But I feel like that would be like a slightly more humane version of putting the bubble in storage until like Alonzo dies. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. That in my mind was not an option. No, yeah. There's no way like we would kill Alonzo yeah. like that. I think with the amount. So I don't know if Harriet, Harriet would have agreed to that, honestly. I mean, she uh, she trusted you too. And she trusted the paperweight. And she could have uh, just if she thought that was the right thing to do, she would have done it. I mean, this is someone who has been waiting for her shot to go back and do something important after working in a government job for over 200 years. She would have done whatever you told her to do. So if you told her to do it, she probably would have done it. Yeah. If this whole last uh, 10 minutes hadn't have happened, 
that would be the biggest reveal of this episode. The fact <laughs> that there is another Zael and the Compass-like shard of a god here in our plane. I like this one a lot better. I like this one a lot better, too. He definitely hates Zael as much as we do, which is great. And we tend not to make references to like other fantasy properties on the show. But to me, it, it reminds me of like a wizard portrait where there's the essence of the person. There is some of their energy, some of their you know wisdom and power. But it is self-contained. Like it's not, you know, you can walk among other portraits, but not into like death or the past or the future. Um, so, Eric, how do you kind of conceive of the difference between the Devar paperweight and the Zael in the compass? Well, Zael was. And where's Adama? Give me Adama on a platter. I want to have a conversation. Adama is running the universe. Adama is a bagel. She is. She's very busy and oh, she has she no is time. If she's a bagel, I quit. God she's not a bagel. What if God was a bagel? What if God we could, like, was a woman and also, also a, bagel? a bagel? I don't know why anyone would want to date any other configuration of gender in person, but. I think Adama is too busy running the universe to get involved and get trapped into the things. I think there's a very big difference here. Like Zeol, as a god, his entire entity is stuck in the compass. And like the compass has a lot of freaking power, you know? And I think that this that's a totally different thing. While this is more of a cleric or warlock item, something that would talk to you and you you have this interaction with this deity, but on like a smaller scale. I mean, people are still being born. Things are still getting created. I think there would be very big consequences if the god of creation would be trapped and you, things couldn't happen. But I think that Zeol getting tricked into the compass as it is. And I think this was also a part of Zeol. Like, you can see that things were just messed up in Chronopolis. And this was always just a part of Zeol. But in the way that, like, parts of gods are still gods. The the part of the thing is still the, the whole of the thing. All gods are JFK. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I really regret showing Eric Merrily We Roll Along, the uh, Sondheim musical from the 70s, which includes a number where it has not aged very well since the 70s because it has a lot of really internal, like Kennedy political references. But there were lots of very good, you know, New England accents. I regret Eric exposing you to that <laughs> to add to your repertoire. Amanda, I will tell you, I did know who JFK was before I saw that musical. <laughs> I know, but I feel like if you hadn't heard an obnoxious rhyming musical number with those accents that took like six minutes, then you may not have brought that forth from the, I don't know, whirlpool of your of your brain. I'm just bummed that the listeners didn't get to see you use your thumb action the entire time, yeah. every time you spoke. Oh, I took a picture. Look I, at our Instagram. I was doing the Obama thumb gesture because I know that it's not JFK, but it made me feel like I... Presidential. I could do the yeah. yeah, do the do the voice. Which you know, I remember it really looks like Obama was like handing someone a business card and he just like yanked it out and he was like, Oh, and like the thumb <laughs> is just like a little bit too far. It's great. Oh, I miss it. Oh man. You know it's funny, I was gonna do a totally different voice. Like more of like well, a traditional yeah, what was it? I was gonna do a traditional magic y thing voice. I don't know if anyone's been listening to the Monster of the Week arc of the Adventure Zone, but something close to Beacon, a little witchy, like a little like nasal. It was like, oh, you've come across the god Devar, and finally I've been able to unleash my power. <laughs> I really love the idea of objects that are divine and can talk, because it's like they have a destiny for you, but you don't want it. And I think that's kind of what uh, Harriet was struggling with the entire time, which was pretty cool. And I'm glad that uh, I got to inhabit both of those characters at the same time. 
And you also brought back a puzzle from our previous days. I was like, those damn moths. I knew it was an unresolved string. Just like real moths. You can't ever get rid of them. At least I, I don't br- know if that's true of moths, by the way. It is true of ants, though. <laughs> I brought back a few things from the previous campaign. Also, Brandon, I want you to know for later in the after party, you are going to have to talk about what you did. What do you mean? What did I do? Oh, okay. Great. Great. We'll, we'll talk about that later. You mean when I, when I did a... Good roles? Yeah, well, you did great roles. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I decided that if this was kind of like the end of the podcast as we know it, like going into a a totally different realm where things are totally changing, the stakes are totally wrong. New kinds of creatures, new person in charge, new mission. Like our mission the whole time was to stop the stars from going out. Now that we failed, like, what is the next mission? Yeah. So I decided to bring back some things to remind you of the world in which you live, especially because this is a totally different city filled with totally different people. It is the nexus in which all the other city-states converge. So bringing back a stone giant, I thought, was kind of integral and also gave you, like, a little bit of a a nuclear option in terms of this whole situation. And I really like that. I mean, I think Zuby's petrifying touch was always something that was so dangerous. And I really wanted to put it in the hands of like an adventurer, someone who was on your side and you can use for good or for not. But let's get to the puzzle. I'm kicking around this idea of these moths that get in people's head, this infection, and then have something to do with eating books and spouting out magic. I think I got half infected when I was a baby because I need to own the books and covet them, hold them close, have them near me. I also have a pretty large amount of glitter in my house for someone who doesn't like to go out very much. Um, (laughs) So am I at risk of book eating, Eric. I don't think so because the Book Devourer is not real. It is oh. something that I got from the Dungeons and Dragons internet. It was a play on the swarm creature that uh, you have in Dungeons and Dragons when you have a lot of small creatures together. So it's called an infestation swarm and it's supposed to like infest you and maybe take control of your body or it's a real like infection in the traditional like medieval sense. Connor and I worked on this like such a long time ago in Pool Party, which you guys totally avoided, but I really wanted to bring it back as an interesting enemy that could be infected by the fact that the stars went out. Like things go badly when the, the equilibrium of the universe is messed with. It wasn't a fight as I originally had. I originally had you had to defeat the infestation and there were also like infested bodies and you as a person could also have gotten infected which would have been just buck wild. Yeah, what would happen if Tracy had gotten infected? Here's what infest. One creature in the swarm space must succeed on a DC 14 constitution saving throw or become infested by the swarm. The swarm disappears inside the host and the target is incapacitated and loses control of the body. The swarm now controls the body, but doesn't deprive the target of awareness. The swarm can't be targeted by any attack, spell, or other effect, and it retains its intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Otherwise, it uses the infested target statistics. Basically, it, like, it inhabits That's your really body. That's really sad. Yeah, it basically just inhabits your body, and you would have like fought on behalf of the infestation. And, and I would then be aware of some it sort of magic. Time. Yeah, and you would have been aware of it the entire time. That's and then the magic would have, you had to do some sort of magic in order to purify it. That also came up because Harriet is a cleric, so she might have been able to help you. We left all those people down there. Uh, they were infested. It, it was more, this was more of like a, like a snatch and grab mission that it no, was yeah. to try to fight the infestation. Yeah. And that would have been like a totally different interaction. That's why I reworked it for something in episode 49, as opposed to like putting you on an errand in like episode 20. What was the glitter? Like, was that? 
the glitter was more like a symbol that this was kind of like similar to silverfish in my head that mm. like things can be infested in books and you don't really notice because like things are dusty and things are old and maybe people won't notice. So the glitter was like purple dust that I kind of thought was interesting as glitter. Was that a you thing that you added or was that? That was of- a thing that I added now because of the uh, effect of every all of the magic going on is always this purple. I cool. thought you were beating the bisexual internet because <laughs> the bi color is purple. Most buys love glitter, and I think chaos buys would really enjoy the thought of covering a room in glitter and then having their friends go on a hide and seek mission. I think that's a wonderful idea. Also, that glitter sounds... is very bad for the environment, so you should really get like compostable and sustainable recyclable glitters. Have you ever seen how they make glitter? Yeah, it's, it's wild. Wild. It's wild. It is wild. Yeah. Um, that sounds like my worst nightmare, having a room covered in glitter. Like, literally <laughs> the worst thing possible. Eric went to a music festival over a year ago, visited me, and I'm still finding glitter <laughs> all over my apartment. <laughs> I also picked up on big lyrial vibes in this challenge. One of my favorite book series ever is Sabriel, the Old Kingdom trilogy by Garth Nix, which I talk about in Spirits uh, to death. But <laughs> the second book, which is my favorite, I think, is called Lyrial, and it's about a librarian who works in this like big basically like mountain full of witches and only the library is like the armory and a museum and a zoo because the library is filled with just like dangerous and powerful magical objects that are kept in different like rooms and safes so the idea of archives as not being like boring dusty stereotypical places but somewhere full of life and stuff to discover and stuff to be careful around was really thrilling to me and I like that. Yeah, I think that a library, and I mean, I've just learned this from being around libraries at NYU and being around libraries in the New York City public library system, is that sometimes libraries aren't just books. Like, they're stuff. And in the largest government building in the largest government city, there would be a lot of stuff down there. What's up with that plan? I wanted so (laughs) bad to take them home with me. That was a trap, right? 100% 100% a trap. 100% a trap. Okay. Uh, I knew it was too cool for me, Amanda <laughs> McLaughlin, that I could not touch it. I had to rework some stuff because you kind of broke my puzzle a little bit. Be like, I'm a ghost and I'm going to look through every drawer at the same time. I mean, that's my item. Also, you look surprised when I brought Oatcake into it. How did you control her role in the in the search? I, I also want to say, Brandon, we are going to come back to you after I talk about my game. About what? Oh, don't worry. Just talk. I didn't just do chat. this episode. Just chat. So, like, you had to have some traps. Like, sure. You needed to work work with it. And I just really wanted to tempt you with something that I could <laughs> turn into bad. You chose well. I know. I knew you were so close. Plants. Like, Anara and, and Amanda love plants. We do. So I wanted that. So it was actually really interesting with Oatcake. You did a bold move, and I was really happy with it. So the first thing that your perception checks was to see if you could keep track of Oatcake, who would poof from room to room. And then I rolled a d10 every time, because Oatcake does not have the same attention span as a person. So I was just like, she's going to look and root around and some stuff and then just poof to a new room automatically. Yeah. So I rolled a d10 to see what room she was in at all times. And then I wanted to see if you guys would intersect. There was a chance that you were going to go into room eight. So I rolled on it. It was room eight, box nine. Mm-hmm. There was a chance that Tracy was going to go into room eight and <laughs> Oatcake had poofed away and you would not have found the ball peen hammer. Like mm. I was, it was coming up to that. Yeah. And luckily you did your, I had changed it to animal handling that once she grabbed the thing and since you told her to find the thing and come back to you, that maybe she would do it. Yeah. So that's what happened. So what is the provenance of the hammer? Do we know? No, I just kind of wanted to make a MacGuffin to give you a chance to find a thing. Like yeah. I wanted, I felt like as, as seen, it would have been weird for just this to be an awful hour of you guys going like, 
Should we pop the bubble? Should we not pop the bubble? Should we do it? But I feel like you needed some more information yeah, to actually make a sure. good call. There's yeah. no reason to pop the bubble if you can't try to stop it in some way. Yeah. So I needed to give you guys something to do. And I mean, this is still Dungeons and Dragons. So I wanted to have you a dungeon? compete. Yeah. Still no dragons. So this shows what you know. And in addition to structural changes to the game in terms of fun MacGuffins or side quests, what the fuck? <laughs> hey, Brandon, what the fuck? So for the Actually, first no, time- Actually, no, I don't think what the fuck. I thought this was really great. What do you mean? I, I know I rolled well, but like it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> for the first time in our two and a half years of preparing and then making the show, I was asked to step out of the room. What we- did you guys talk about? So Brandon, you say this and then I'll tell everyone what my plans were. Because I thought this was kind of yeah. interesting how we thought similarly. Well, I've been thinking, actually, it's because, I think it was because someone on the Discord had, had brought up something that I hadn't thought about in a while, which was we had planted a while back Tracy's sort of like wishy-washy feelings on having a, having his people back, basically. Yeah. Right. Um, I wanted to stay true to the character, one, and I don't know what Tracy would do in that situation, and two, like I also don't know what Eric's thinking for the, for the next bit, so I don't want to screw up his story like too bad. So I don't know. I was just think, like my initial thought was a bad one, or a not fully thought out one. But so we made we left uh, had Amanda leave, and I was like, "What if I just disguise self and become a third Alonzo, <laughs> and we play a, a shell game?" That's very good. Uh, <laughs> we had another one, and I'm, but when Brandon said that, I'm like, "Okay, well, Energy Alonzo is going to go into other Alonzo." But then that's also interesting. I'm like, you realize that instead of trying to break the hammer, you're probably going to get. Stone. You're probably going to get turned into stone, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which would have been dope. I thought that would have been an interesting sacrifice. I still want to play the game. Yes, <laughs> so. I want Brandon here. <laughs> I love that thought, Brandon. Like you, you say it's like a like a bad initial idea or an you know unrefined idea. Yeah. But I think that's a very in character way that Tracy would deal with the immense pressure of this decision. Yeah, exactly. That was the idea of like he would have a excuse to be. He so he would flip. Things would break bad. I was thinking like the council of right would like evaporate basically. Yeah, me too. Um, and then uh, he could flip back without anyone really noticing like within the scuffle, and then be like, "Oh my god, what happened?" And he'd have like sort of that out. But then Eric made the suggestion that I think you were already sort of thinking along those lines, right? Right, I was. because we had this seed planted that there was a, a little bit of doubt because the neutralizer was nearby. So, Eric, what were your plans before Brandon brought up that sort of uh, deviation from normal? I had planted the fact that the Council of Bright had some control over electronics or mm-hmm. Warforged Tronics, whatever we call it. Um, tronics. I like Tronics. Just, just tro- over Tronics. Yeah. Jeff Bridges himself forges everyone. <laughs> Get he it? It's a, it's a Tron reference. It's very good. He's the Lord in the sky above us all. He is Devar. He's the he's the creator. So my idea was that the Council of Bright has kind of been like knocking on Tracy's brain. Just be like, hey, is anybody in here? Is rude? It- rude? <laughs> More like, like, hey, will you let me in? Yeah. And you have a few times. Most, most notably, last episode, Council of Bright got in your brain in a dream that there is this um, utopia where your friends and Warforged can exist side by side. Which, who knows? I, I don't actually know how this whole thing is going to shake out, but I guess the, the first, you need to get a whole lot of Warforged and this is how you do it. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Tracy's, the ultimate, like, battle of Tracy has always been, you know, who is family, where is family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's never really had it. And I think there was that developing among his adventuring pals. But, you know, now he sees that Anara's talking about being a librarian and Anara's talking about how she wants to settle down with Brinks, you know what I mean? So, 
you know, there's that little thing in the back of his head. It's like, well, what do I have? What I I'm, I don't know how to do anything else but adventure. Yeah. And so, like, this opportunity comes. I don't know if Tracy is, or anyone really, is strong enough to, like, just let it die fully, you know? Yeah. So what I was going to do is I was going to cast Suggestion on you from the Council of Bright to tackle Anara and keep her from destroying the medallion. I was also going to probably enforce disadvantage on you because you failed charisma and wisdom checks against the Council of Bright, including the one in the beginning of this episode. I didn't want to fade it to happen, but like I had I had properly seeded this over a few episodes to make sure that you were susceptible. If you had passed, man, I, I don't know. I think that like someone would have been susceptible, I think. I had this idea in my head that like if the vote didn't go the way that it did, which was another thing. Oh man, when you read uh, Representative Brink's mind, that oh could have went God, a different I'm way. I was so nervous. I thought she was going to be like, we cannot let this out in the world Me in too. any way possible. So let's lock him up in the safe. Sorry, Alonzo. Peace. I mean, that could have went one way. I just thought that it was really pushed that, like, the council, especially because you admitted the fact that he has power. So that yeah. was already in her head. And, like, she was already predisposed. And that's also kind of what the council of Bright wanted to be let out. So, like, it did kind of fall into his lap in this way. Yeah. And I had a different one, a different possibility that, like, if Representative Brink said, let's lock him up, then, like, Greg would have flipped out, tried to grab the neutralizer, and just, like, without any sort of other help, just, like, let him out. Same, And that Greg. would have happened. Same. So it's like a, it's like the Choose Your Adventure books where, like, this outcome is the outcome that will happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's over and, the course of these 40. I did not push you. No. Like, I, this yeah, is on yeah. rails as much as I can, I guess. We're telling a story. It's a podcast. But right. honestly, no one has, like, put the pieces together and tried to stop him until, like, two episodes ago. Right. So, like, it was kind of like we're barreling down this mountain. Yeah. I think the the fun thing that was interesting when you and I were alone in the room talking, it was the decision to let the decision be the player and character decision. Yeah. As opposed to you force, like, quote unquote, forcing it on Tracy. Exactly. And I'm very happy that you decided to let it happen. Yeah. Because, you know, when when you're doing a saving throw, you always have the option of letting it happen. Like, there are some I spells. I didn't know that. I don't know if that's necessarily in the rules, but there are some... Uh, spells that you can do to a willing participant, or if you're doing it to an unwilling participant, then you do saving throws. So I think that there's like, obviously you wouldn't like stand in the path of fire unless like you had a death wish, which you could, I guess, if you really wanted to. I mean, saving throws are supposed to demonstrate your will to get out of the way. Hmm. Um, so in my head, I'm just like, hey, Brandon, if you really want to do this, you can just like intentionally fail your saving throw. And then like, I'm interested to see what happens is that like, although Tracy tackled Anara, there's always like, Oh no, the Council of Bright told me to. Well, that's why I think it's important because I think as player now, and we had we had a conversation too of like, should Amanda know this? Like, should a player Amanda know, or should we let that also be a mystery? Yeah. Or and also should audience know? Um, should I just fake a let's say roll and then not say the number? Yeah. But I think it's important to know that now we're like separated on player and character even more. Right. Um. So it'll be a fun challenge to play the characters as and the players separately. Yeah. But we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think if you had just rolled and not on anything, like, in my mind was, like, apparent. Like, if you just rolled and it was a low roll and we're like, classic Brandon, and then you, like, got taken over by (laughs) by the council, I would have been kind of confused and suspicious. But I think this is a really interesting move. Like, I really enjoy it. When I came back in the room, Eric was like, I hope that you're still okay with uh, being on the podcast after this episode. (laughs) And I'm like, of course I am. Like, I, I think it's awesome. And the idea that we are finally going to either 
go to or be visited by another plane is so cool. Like that image of the staircase from the sky is like I cannot think of a more striking image to end this arc on. Yeah, that's honestly the image that I've had in my head for like a year and a half. There are a few <laughs> images that I really wanted to work towards. And I mean, that's what happened these last two episodes. The first was all the representatives coming together. Yeah. And the other one was all the stars going out and the Warforged coming out of the astral prison. That's amazing. My, so My brethren, my folks, my pals. I Well, you know. Gonna go a stomping. You know, it. Tracy, you've wanted to defend the honor of Warforged for so long. Let's see if you're right. <laughs> I think it's also funny because this is before we didn't, we hadn't even talked about it, but the, I don't know actually when the speaker said that shitty thing about Tracy, was that intentional like foreshadowing Asking basically? The room. Right. It was a little bit of foreshadowing because I wanted this to happen, but I think that she wasn't trying to be shitty. Oh, of course it was not. more yeah, like, yeah. it was more like to everyone else in the room, she's like, is Tracy okay? Like, can, can yeah. we all say here, like, is I Tracy mean, okay? He is a security risk in that way. Like, if in some ways the most powerful person in the room in terms of, like, force to, you know, body is compromised by the thing we're trying to destroy. Like, I was offended in character, but I, yeah. I completely get it. And exactly. if I were in the speaker's yeah, yeah. position, I would say the exact same thing. Yeah, and you, you kind of push this a lot. So it's like when you're telling her that she's being offensive to you, she like, you're right. Okay, we've been down this road so many different times. I think that we need to trust him. And then you did the thing that she was worried about, which mm -hmm. is pretty buck. Fascinating. So, Eric, any tidbits that you're able to give us about where the story is going from here? A hundred percent not. Also, <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> Well, you do have a little bit of time to think about it because in some housekeeping news, we are in a weird way excited to announce that we are going to be taking a break over the summer. The next arc of Join the Party is going to be the last arc of this story, not of the show, but of this story, this campaign with Alonzo and the representatives and Fidopolis. So we are going to take this time to have a little break. All of us are extremely busy, but we want to bring our whole hearts and heads and creativity and minds to playing these episodes. So we are going to take some time to focus on playing, focus on story, and then resume in September with episode 50 and the final arc of this campaign. Yeah, we're going to be in lots of lots of fun things with JTP specifically. I'm going to have more time to actually like write all the music I've been wanting to write like for this last arc of this story make sure everything sounds amazing for all of you yeah i'm excited i'm excited to also have a summer a little bit yeah <laughs> just Let's, a little bit yeah we're gonna play over the summer i think that we just as much as we are gonna take a break because multitude is popping off we are gonna release some stuff in the join the party feed that is not directly related to the campaign but we're really excited about yeah you're gonna love it it's yeah gonna be fun. there's gonna be stuff in the feed don't worry the discord will be open we will be around for you to talk to and I, specifically like i'm so excited about the things that we have planned to release over the summer oh, yeah. we can tell you that there will be content roughly every three or four weeks so there's going to be something at least once a month in the feed but we are we're planning a bunch of really interesting surprises so stay tuned but I will say I'm kind of excited for us to play it out over the summer, and then we're going to focus on the post-production. It's also going to give us less pressure to record and play and get all of this out. Like, I kind of just want everyone here to focus on what's going to happen for the rest of the story, right. you know? And, like, that's exciting for me as a DM. Also, like, I want to help Brandon finish this story. Yeah, because right now what we do is, you know, we're playing anywhere from, like, 
you know, four to 10 weeks before that episode will ultimately go out. And we're working on like the episode that's coming out next and the one after that. So we have like three or four different moments in the story in our heads at all times as we focus on like getting them all out and then watching everybody react to it and listen to the story and take it all in. I'm excited in a way like we've always ever, except for the very beginning of the show, had some sense of how people are reacting, at least to this arc, as we're playing it. So most of the time, that's not how stuff works. Like you write a book and then you release it. You make a movie and then you release it. You like do a full season of a TV show and then you put it out. That's not to say that there's any like, you know, pressure or kind of bad feeling around watching people enjoy the thing we're working on. And sometimes you give us ideas, you know, we we enjoy listening to what you have to say and Reminding answering it in the after party. Reminding me of things I forget. Reminding us of items we totally forgot. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just different. And I think in every sense, you know, along these past two and a half years, new challenges and changes to our own lives and to the stuff we want to bring into the show has made us more creative and made the story better. So I'm, I'm really stoked to go off into our retreat that is not in a beautiful mountain cabin, though if someone has one, please get in touch and uh, play this out. We could rent a cabin. We could. Just soundproof it real quick and record it all 10 episodes. Real quick with all all of our extra money. <laughs> so yeah, in terms of our summer content, we have stuff coming for you in the feed. Discord will be open. So if you're a patron, you'll, we'll still be around and you'll have each other to talk and ask questions. And actually, please, if you decide to re-listen or listen to the recaps, we have a new one coming for this previous couple arcs soon. Please ask us questions because we are going to do an everything till now after party before episode 50 comes out. So we're going to talk to each other, answer a bunch of your questions about the show up until now. Any arc, any character, any question you want to ask, this is your time. Ask us in the Discord or you can tweet us, email us, however you want to get us your questions. We will be here for it. Speaking of new stuff. We are not going to be doing after parties for the last arc of this campaign. We will save all the questions, save all the suspense, talk it all out after the last episode comes out in a big old after party, hour plus long. Jamboree. Jamboree. Pour some drinks, have some snacks, have a big old after party. Because again, you know, we want to focus on telling the story and then we can react and discuss and analyze with everybody else. Yeah. So just to reiterate, we'll do two more after parties after this one. One will be everything leading up to the arc. You'll hear that right before. It'll be the first thing you hear before we go into the new arc, and then one big one for the entire series at the end. Yeah. So any questions you have, tell us. Send them on a piece of paper with a pigeon. I don't want to, I don't want to take care of your pigeon. Only if your pigeon can go home. What if there's a service that like received the pigeon, then digitized the message, and then texted it to you? <laughs> I thought you were going to say digitize the pigeon. <laughs> 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 but turn the pigeon into an emoji, then send you the email. <laughs> I would also like to say that this is not the end of the show. We have... A bunch of possible plans of what we can take this about who we're going to do it in, who's going to run it, what kind of thing we're going to make. This has been such a wild ride and something that I can't believe is what it is. And I feel very precious about being able to tell stories within the feed on this podcast. And I want to be very intentional and think a lot about what's going to happen next after we finish up the story of uh, Tracy and Inara. And me, Derek. Oh, Derek, you've been here all along. I've been wow. hiding. Great job. Tracy did a bad thing. Get out of my closet, Derek. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. We will be back with a recap of the previous couple of arcs soon. We will have some surprises for you in store over the summer. We'll have our Everything Till Now after party at the end of August. And then episode 50, 
and our next arc will kick off in September. And again, we are around. We love tweeting about D&D, so we're not going anywhere. We're at Join the Party Pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to join the community of folks in our Discord, who are our patrons or supporters on Patreon, you can for as little as a dollar at patreon.com slash join the party pod. We still got hot nugs on the Patreon, and you will only be charged when we release an episode. So don't think that you're still going to get charged every two weeks. It's only when we create content. And if you're able, this might be a great time to join in uh, on the Patreon and see what the Discord community is all about. Shout out to our mods, Aaron, Ann, and Katie, who keep the Discord a wonderful, vibrant, beautiful place to be. I also want to apologize to Katie in particular for this pocket full of salsa. I feel like it's something that she will just be really mad about. I'm not um, mad about it. Katie, come at me. What are you talking and about? Like, and like the pudding sphere that might, I don't know. I just feel like there were a lot of hot takes on food sure. in this episode. Let's talk, Katie. Come on. Brandon's ready. What are you doing? At I feel great on Discord. Why are you silent? <laughs> Beautiful. Well, we are we are stoked to embark on this next chapter of the adventure, and we will see you very shortly for our arc recap. Bye, guys. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Bye.